Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick from Rugby Morning, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. How are you feeling today? Definitely frustrated. I feel like that's that's been a common theme over the last few weeks, but frustrated but to like another level of frustration this is yeah this is definitely the most frustrated i've been this season i've mostly been frustrated but with hints of optimism or previously frustrated but then leave it a while and it it sort of dies down into a a more reasonable rational point of view but now i'm just i'm just still frustrated a couple of days later i'm i'm still very frustrated (laughs) Well, AKP, my, my therapist says I need to talk more about my frustration, so let's do it here. We're going to be each other's therapists. We're going to break down what happened in that rugby ATL game. Look ahead to this upcoming round against New York, a big match that's got a lot of implications for the rest of the season. So let's go quickly. Through eight rounds so far, let's talk about Old Glory DC. Two wins, Five losses. They've had three straight losses now since beating the Toronto Arrows, but they have picked up table points in, in all three of those previous losses. And again, if you look, if you look at the standings, right, Old Glory DC right now sitting in fifth place is only one point back of the third spot. So if you look at that, even with the two and five, you gotta think, hey, we're right in this thing, right? I mean, like we played poorly, yeah. but we're in it. Absolutely. And if you, my model. Um, I've got the season predictions running, and it's giving Old Glory a 44% chance to make the playoffs still. So, you know, we're right. We're still right in the hunt somehow. But I think, yeah. you know, what we've seen is our margin for error is, has disappeared. I mean, those getting table points makes a difference. It's it's helped. It's the reason that we're still in this. But, you know, we we don't have a lot of space for for making mistakes in the future we've got to we've got to click on we've got to click on now right i mean you talked about this in the past couple episodes like table points are great but we need to start stacking up some some w's here we need getting four points if we want to prove if old glory dc wants to prove that they are serious contender for the playoffs they got to start stacking up some wins in the eastern conference particularly in conference against opponents like rugby atl which was a very winnable game and unfortunately they came up short there and at least we're able to get one table point, but certainly not enough uh, over the course of the long haul. Let's 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 recap this rugby ATL game. There's a lot of things that did not go well. A couple of things that may have gone well, but first let's start with the match day 23. I think going into the match, we talked about how we probably going to maybe see some reinforcements brought in, or you know after the San Diego Legion game, we were going to see some changes, knowing that. Coach Sims knew that this is such a big, important game, an Eastern Conference game, but then the match day 23 came out, and, man, that was kind of a head-scratcher again. What did you think? Yeah, for second week in a row, Sims is blowing my mind with these these selections because, you know, you can you can forgive uh, San Diego. We were always sort of likely to lose that match, and you can forgive it's a road game. It's against a out-of-conference opponent, so you can forgive some, some weird lineup stuff to get people time or rest some people but then we kept basically the same lineup only like minor changes kurt baker came back and herrera came back and that was basically the entire changes in the entire lineup and that is it was a bit like what are we doing (laughs) this lineup was a disaster last week and then we just kept it around for a second go i 
I don't understand. Right, yeah, like, where, where's Corey Daniel, right? Where's Tavita Nikwali? Two names we are expecting to come back. Where's Kyle Bailey? Like, what were you thinking there? Injuries? Something I, else? I, it's got to be, because Corey Daniel's an amazing tackler, absolutely essential, and he's one of the few players we have who can get, consistently get dominant tackles and really knock people back. You know, Tavita Nangali has been absolutely essential to getting us some front football over the the beginning of the season. He's been one of our leading um, players in terms of meters gained, and both of them not in the lineup. Like the only way that's acceptable is if they're injured. And actually, on the point of Nangali and Kyle Bailey, we've got now five locks who are signed with the team. None of them are playing. None of them have played in the last two weeks. It's been... So Stan South is out for the season. Okay, fine. Nakatini, maybe just... I mean, he's old. He might be injured. He's sort of going to be prone to injury week in and week out. But Tivita Nangali is not there. Kyle Bailey's not there. David Beach just isn't getting selected for whatever reason. And and our scrums have been not great over the last couple weeks. So you just wonder... You know, maybe that's... And we've got two awesome front rowers at prop. I mean, Jack Iscaro and Ramiro Herrera, absolute stars at prop. And so the fact that we're getting pushed back in the scrums, maybe it's to do with the fact that we're playing two back rowers at lock. And this is the sort of thing that gets frustrating. This is why I'm so frustrated, is it seems like an obvious thing to me. Now, maybe they're injured, and maybe this is us doing whatever we have to do, in which case my frustration is with just league communication in general. I think injury reports should be just required mm. for every team. There's no reason that Agreed. the league can't Agreed. require that of teams and it would make reporting this and telling the story of Old Glory and how they're doing right now and why they're doing what they're doing right now so much easier. But <sighs> Well, it was wild because, right, we, we saw the signing of Langy Langy, right? You know, midpoint of last week, he immediately was on match day 23. Good to see Kurt Baker back. Again, depth back there, veteran leadership after he may have had, a, I think, a head injury a couple rounds ago. Again, good to see him back. But maybe certainly a, a surprise. And again, like you said, there's, there's injury reports there. I think they should be necessary. I'd love to see something like, you know, when they release the, the match day 23, there's the injury report. I think the Toronto Arrows do a great job of releasing an injury report. I love what they're doing with that. All right, let's, let's jump into it, right? Like, let's jump into the recap of the rugby ATL game. Everyone who saw knew right away that it was going to be, um, weather conditions were difficult, right? It was a cold day. It was a rainy day. I think kickoff temperature was in the mid-40s. It was pretty nasty out there, certainly primed to be a kicking game, and it certainly was. There was a lot of kicking back and forth. And if you watch that first few minutes, I mean, it just... It was played at a frenetic pace, but there were a lot of mistakes. I mean, AKP, I lost track of the number of... I don't think we won a single line-out in the first half. Yeah, the line-out. The whole game, or especially the first half, it just felt like nothing was working. Absolutely nothing was going to plan. Every now and then, one player would do one thing correctly, and then the next thing that happened would be just terrible lineouts yeah i don't know if we want to want in the first half and they and it wasn't 
unlike in previous weeks, this wasn't miscommunications and overthrows. This was, they were getting up and challenging our lineouts, and we were losing to them every time. And maybe that's because we had no super tall players in the lineup, and so we weren't being at, weren't able to lift super high, and so we had to put up low, we had to throw lower, and therefore it was easier to challenge. I don't really know, but maybe Atlanta is just fantastic at stealing lineouts, but yeah it was yeah. it was insane and then on you had the you said there was a lot of kicks and there were and we were absolutely terrible at them i mean we've won some kicking battles against some of the better t- kicking teams in the league this year especially with tito and baker um they're both excellent kickers they're both experienced players i mean both are have over a decade at the top level and yet they were they weren't catching balls. They weren't catching the ball in the air. They were letting it hit the ground, and the bounces weren't very favorable for us, but they should never... So many of those balls should never have had an opportunity to bounce in the first place. And I just... It boggled my mind how bad we were under the high ball. I mean, look, the rugby ball, we all know we've played this sport. We'll bounce in, in crazy ways, and they were at least two that I can count, that I can remember where the the bounce of the ball was just poorly yeah i don't know if it was if it was it was hard to to read the ball or the trajectory or something was going on but it looked like we were either out of position or hesitant to to really race on to the ball and we got burned by it multiple times in atlanta good kick chase picked it up and scooped and scored twice you know it was frustrating frustrating and then and then even yeah. when we got the ball minus the kicking issues okay that stuff's going to happen when we finally started to possess the ball we couldn't really get any phases going. We couldn't get guys in space, or we'd build something up and we'd have a knock on at like the worst time as things were starting to progress for Old Glory. And it was, I mean, we quickly built a hole, right? It was 13 to zero after 10 minutes. And you're, Atlanta's at home thinking, okay, we're just going to keep playing this kick chase game because it seems to be working against Old Glory. I, exactly, and part of that has to do with the fact that we were always kicking under pressure because we would we'd get the ball, we'd do a few phases through the forwards, and every single time, we'd our forward would catch the ball, get hit, get tackled five meters behind the the gain line. We'd go, we'd throw it to the next guy, who'd get tackled five meters behind the gain line. Like after losing twenty meters of of territory. Danny would put up a box kick because <laughs> when you're going backwards like that, you have to find a way to go forward. And so he's now kicking under pressure on the back foot. There's not really a kick chase because you don't have people, you know, your players aren't already moving forward. And so it was easy for Atlanta to exploit that. There were some questionable refereeing decisions. There were actually a couple of calls that went in favor of, of Old Glory where I thought they were a little iffy and and this is around kind of the player safety stuff the very first one i think was that the, it was the kind of the head the head to head collision call that i think went against um uh momson i don't know if it was head to head or not again we definitely want to protect the players but old glory quickly found themselves an extra man and then <laughs> darn it if, if rugby atl then committed a, another penalty there was another yellow card so old glory at the end of the first half there, had a prime opportunity to really like claw back some points, and they did get a try. William Talataina was able to, to, to crack through and score. We, we still had another like three minutes 
towards the end of the first half where we could have put up more points going up two guys. It just seemed like we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Like we couldn't really quite take advantage of the opportunity because on the ensuing kickoff, you know, I think unfortunately Marcos Young tried to, Matt, if you recall, he tried to, it was kicked pretty deep and he tried to feel it on the sideline. And it was a strange decision to bring it all the way back because the play kind of carried on, but they brought it back because he stepped on the line to field it. And he could have just let that one land. Ugh. And it goes back to, like, the questionable decision. Like, everything was going wrong. Players were making just poor decisions. Like, he should have just let that one hit the, the ground because it probably would have hit straight out of bounds and then we would have had a scrum on halfway. But, yeah, it just felt like everything was going wrong. And our tackles were bad in the first half. We had, um, you know, I, we talked about how when we had have the ball, we didn't really get it any go forward we were just getting pushed back with every single tackle exact opposite was true for them we'd have one guy hit their their runner at the gain line which is exactly what you want to see happen and they would slip right through that tackle gain another five meters and then get tackled by another two players and so we had to commit a ton of people into tackling every player we couldn't stop them at the gain line and they just had they could just eat territory as much as they wanted and that meant when they were kicking, they were doing it on the front foot. They were in control. They didn't have to worry about um, losing ground on any of those things. So it, it just made it almost impossible for us to get a, a real foothold. And especially, again, when we're losing all of our line outs. So everything, you know, they make it a ton of territory just picking and going with the forwards, just running it up because we can't tackle them. They they kick it forward and then commit a penalty or or you know something like that. We we manage to get a stop somehow. We kick it for territory and then even if it's our line out, they're still going to win it anyway. And they're back to to controlling the game and getting another shot. So it, it was so bad. You know, and as and as poorly as they played in the first half. They were still in the game, even when, even when early in the second half. Again, Rugby ATL down a man still, scored a try early. They went up 25-7. to seven. At this point, you're thinking, is, is Old Glory ever going to be able to come back? And certainly plenty of time. And they started to chip away, right? This was a team that is not going to quit. They, they showed that against San Diego. They were going to fight for some bonus points. Quickly, Danny Tusitala heads up play. Was he on the mark? I don't know. Ref allowed it. Tap and go. Scores. Okay. Hey, we're clawing back now. 25-14. Missed the conversion. That hurts That hurts quite a bit. Three minutes later, Old Glory scored again. Oh, I think they, they, they converted that conversion because that was the, the, that was an uh, automatic the one between conversion. the posts. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Young then follows it up three minutes later, 25-19. We missed that conversion. Okay, that's interesting. That's too bad. A couple of phases later, penalty against Rugby ATL. We kick penalty for points. It's 25-22. There's 55 minutes have gone by in the game. There's so much time. We're down three points. Okay, right back in this game. Things are starting to go our way a little bit. And then, like, I don't, I, I don't know if it was like a catch your breath moment or not, but rugby ATL they just came right back down and responded with the score to go up by ten. And it's starting to seem like at that point the game was starting to slip away. We just couldn't get back into it despite our worst efforts or best efforts and. I guess frustrating is the word, but um, 
We just yeah. couldn't get it together. And it was there for the taking. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's hard when you dig yourself into a hole. And we saw that last year. When you're, when you start out down a couple of tries, the thing is, it's like, we went on a great scoring run there where we, we were scoring and they weren't. And it looks like we might pull it through. But that's, that's a really hard thing to maintain. I mean, yeah. We're not we're not so much better than them that we can expect to score points and just forever hold them out of the try zone. And so occasionally they're going to get their their scores. And if you're if we were tied, then that's way easier to to get back from. We just have to score more points than they do over that time. But when you're starting out in a thirteen to zero hole, or at one point a twenty to zero hole, like yeah, it's hard to to pull yourself out of that because now you don't just need to score more than them you need to score you know at least 18 points more than them and that's that's a tough ask that is a really tough ask so okay you're the old glory coaching staff you're going back you're reviewing the tape you're seeing a lot of things that went poorly right there you would think there'd be some easy things to fix hey guys let's let's work on our communication on the line out let's get better throws maybe some new guys come in that help us in the line out but what are you doing akp i'm going to put it on you you're the coaching staff what can we do to improve or what are we focusing on the short week to bounce back from from a, a pretty dismal game against rugby atl yeah so if there's if there's any optimism that I'm bringing from this game, um, it starts for, with the fact that we, well, even in this game, we played not too badly in some, or we played very badly, but we weren't actually that far behind. We scored four tries, Atlanta scored four tries. The difference was they made a couple more penalty kicks and a conversion. So actually, not that big a difference between us in the end score, despite the fact that we had the worst half of rugby have seen old glory play in a long time in the first half and then you look at the fact that this year we've actually played really well i mean we really ought to have beaten nola we had the lead on them most of the game and and you know it feels like six times out of ten seven times out of ten that that game goes our way and it it didn't but you know we then you look at the new england game that's a team that we played really right down to the wire. We darn near had them beat as well. Um, and we've played, we played, we beat Toronto like we had, we were supposed to. We beat Chicago like we were supposed to. So it's not that this team is bad. And in the past, up until the last couple of weeks, we've had, we've looked in pretty good form. I've been pretty confident, even with the losses. The losses were so close to wins that you felt yeah, this could break our way any moment now. You know, we're we're coin, in coin flip territory, and we just need some of those to, coins to land on on our side, and we'll we'll get some wins here. And and that's just completely disappeared in the last couple of weeks. So refinding that that past form, that that form of the early part of the season, will be essential. That's going to yeah. be it, it's in us. It's in the team. And that, that gives me some hope that if they can refind it, we've got a real shot. But but they will have to refind it because it's gone right now. What what would you say is Old Glory's form? What do they need to get back to? I think a lot of it's defensive. I mean 
in our best defensive performances, we've really frustrated teams by not letting them get over the gain line. We've we we're pretty we we'll let them get to the gain line, but they you know we're not like Atlanta where Atlanta will shut you down behind the gain line if they can at every opportunity. But we we let people get to the gain line, but we don't get let them get over it. But the problem is that requires making if not dominant tackles, at least not losing the contact in the tackle. That means the first guy who hits them at the game line should be taking them down and not letting them fall forward for an extra five meters. And that's something we saw. That was a huge part of the problem against New York when we got blown out. That was a huge part of the problem against San Diego. It was a problem last week in the first half, especially. If we if we don't get back to that tackling discipline it's going to be difficult to prevent teams scoring when they want to score. So at the end of a match, even if we're we're in a tight game at the end of a match where we have a lead in the end of the match, if we don't get that tackling, if we aren't able to stop them when we need to stop them, we're not going to be able to prevent them scoring, and they're, they're always going to come out ahead. And we're going to be losing a lot of close games. We talked a little bit about um, you know combinations in the back line again it's good to see Penny Lasaka back there but you know he didn't really we couldn't really get him the ball against rugby Atlanta we couldn't really take advantage of what he brings to the game and just his elusiveness he had a couple of runs there that he was able to break and spring a couple of guys towards the end of the game but uh, and you know unfortunately it was not Tito's best game I think it was probably one of the worst games he's played so far in his short career with us but when Graydon Boyd stepped onto the field. Yeah, he did have some miscues on, on the conversions and some kicks, but it seemed like they were loosened up and were able to kind of attack a little bit differently. Did you notice anything there? Is that something where maybe Boyd needs to come on a bit more? What are you thinking? Yeah, we we talked about this in the in the preseason, actually, is that there might be some controversy or, you know, like a a fly half controversy i guess over who should be playing fly, starting at fly half should it be tito or should it be boyd because he actually played really well in the preseason game and really showed a lot of vision and he's an excellent distributor of the ball and he might bring some of that creativity that's been missing to the back line and certainly in this game he, he got to play a good chunk of the game and he showed a lot of of promise there so it might be something where and maybe, I don't know if you want to take Tito off, because when Tito is playing well, he's playing really well, and you, you really want him in there. And I think, I, I wonder if there's some way to get them both on the field at the same time. You know, it's, it's could Boyd play center? Could um, Tito, could you put Tito on the wing or something crazy and, and you know, have a, a playmaker distributor off the wing? That would be wild, but there's... Or maybe put Tito at fullback and and have him because he's he's great off the boot. He ends up in the he ends up back there catching kicks anyway and kicking them back. So you know what would happen if you could get both of them on the field and have two distributing attacking options? Um, I at this point the backline has been so the backline has so many good players who who all feel like they have to do everything all themselves because the system and the, the structure just doesn't really exist to put them into space or to support the people out around them and like and play creatively so 
I do wonder if I do. I feel like we sh- we ought to just shake up the back line and see what happens. And mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean go too crazy and start putting players completely out of position. But I'd be open to the team trying some different things. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we're. We'll get to it in a little bit here. Old Glory, their next two games are home games, New York and then Utah, two teams that certainly are uh, both in, in contention in their respective conferences for, for the playoff. Utah is on a three-game win streak. They just knocked off Houston, which is which is uh, fun to see out there. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, Alistair, I want to transition here to our, our forward and, and backs of the game. Uh, this might be a quick one, again. It's a game that, as we've talked about, we're very frustrated by. And, and I'll go first. I'll relieve you of the pressure first this time, this time around. My pick for a forward of the game, and again, it's it's one we've talked about before, but uh, I think the captain, Jamison Fahnel-Schultz, you could tell how badly he wants to win out there. I mean, to the last minute, still racing to, to every ruck, running meters gained with the ball, all over the field making tackles. I think he definitely leads by examples, and, and the players are, are kind of you know inspired by how he continues to give it 100% to the very last minute, even though he did come up short and got a table point. But I'm going to give my four to the game to, to, to Jama. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I don't – in part that's because there's no one else who impressed me in the forwards really. Um, everyone else had a had a bit of a shaky game in, in one way or another, and – but Jamo was solid, and yeah, yeah, I, he gets my forward of the game as well. I thought Colin Gross had a had a had a maybe a quiet but steady performance. Bunch of tackles, yeah. getting in there, but uh, but he wasn't a difference maker like he he yeah. has been in in past matches. Changing topics here quickly. There was some some chatter back and forth after Dallas Jackals rookie um, Sam Gallo scored a try to help. Dallas win against Toronto two rounds ago or whatever that was, but everyone's talking about how he's running away with Rookie of the Year, and I think he's certainly leader of the pack, but I think we got to give some credit to, to Colin Gross, who's played very well in his very first season coming out of West Point. Moving to the back of the game, and this is where things get a little more shaky for me. Um, a name I think we've talked about before, I thought... He's got a vocal presence out there. I was going back and, and watching, and he's certainly frustrated and yelling and dictating and telling and moving people around. But I thought um, William Tala Taina played the best out of the backs, tackles. He had a few meters gained here and there, making plays. Certainly scoring a try was helpful. I mean, that close up there, I mean, with his size and his power, it's going to be hard for, 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 for the backs to tackle him one-on-one. Good to see him continue to be out there. I hope we continue to see him in the match day 23. I thought Willie T probably played the best out of old glory backs. He's my pick for back of the game. Yeah, he had a really good game. He's he's such a good player for us. He is able to accomplish so much just on his own. You can see it when he gets frustrated with how the team is playing and he just picks up, grabs defenders and throws them out of the way. and And he... That first, he scored that first try for us, and and pretty much just single-handedly fought his way over the line. He's, it was again a, a very forwards sort of try. Um, mm-hmm. I I think the guy could play center if 
if we needed him to. Or not center, uh, flanker if we needed him to. Yeah. Um, and you know what's crazy? He um, he almost had an opportunity, I think, to score um, three tries uh, in the game. If you remember at the very beginning of the game, after Atlanta got off to a quick start scoring the try, on the ensuing kickoff, I believe it was Marcus Young, raced down, kind of like jumped up, one-handed, caught the ball, tried to offload to Willie T. He was coming on the left side. The pass just wasn't quite there. It was a little behind Willie. He kind of had to like catch it from behind and try and bring it forward. DC was able to kind of still get the ball, but they got tackled out of bounds. If that offload connects with Willie T., that's an answer right back. Oglory scores there uh, instead of kicking away, giving away possession. And there, I think there was another opportunity later in the game where Jama was streaking down. It was, you know, it was a two-on-one situation. I think Revita Biddle, the fullback, just made a great play to kind of intercept the pass. But so Willie T could have had more more points. Go ahead. Yeah, but he's not actually my pick for back of the week or back of the game. Oh, did I? Sorry, I sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, he had a very good game. I'm gonna pick Boyd though. Um, Graydon Boyd, because he's, I, I think he made such a huge difference to the attack when he came on. He made such a huge difference to how the back line was playing, its connectedness, his vision and distribution, especially against Atlanta, who comes up quickly on defense. The way you have to beat that is you have to um, wait for them to run up quickly, then pass behind them. You have to get it quickly out to the wings so that they get caught being too far forward. And I thought Boyd did a way better job of exploiting that than than Tito did. And um, it's for a guy who hasn't had a lot of time on the field so far, other he had a really good game. Great selection on your part, and I think just a recognition that maybe Boyd needs to be getting a little more playing time. And you said controversy. I wouldn't say controversy, but why not stir up a little trouble, <laughs> shake things up a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that's just the the uh, college football term. So quarterback controversy love it exactly exactly that's right fly half controversy uh, another fly half controversy in washington there's been a plenty of quarterback controversies in washington from the football side but um anyway enough about that so look look it's been kind of a subdued episode right we're kind of down in the dumps or maybe mad or pissed off but let's take a look real quick at the standings in the eastern conference after eight rounds going into round nine here Current look at the standings in this conference. You've got New England, 25 points. They're number one. Number two, New York Ironworkers. They've got 20 points. Noel Gold coming off a bye, third place with 16 points. Then you have Atlanta in fourth place <clears throat> with 15 points. Old Glory in fifth, 15 points. Toronto in sixth with eight points. So Old Glory DC in fifth place. They are five points back of second place and only one point back of third place. It's so tight and they definitely have struggled these last couple games in terms of getting victories here but if there is a time and a place to come back and get a w it's got to be round nine against new york alistair what is going on in the eastern conference here yeah it's really really tight and it's it's unusually tight for this time of year i mean you always see usually this this time of year you'll see a There'll be a, a couple of teams that are fairly securely in the playoffs and then maybe a couple more teams who are who are just battling it out for that third spot. And this year it's it's just everyone except Toronto is still in the in the race and still decently in the race. I mean, 
you've got New England at this point is basically guaranteed to get in, but New York has a probably has a lead on the rest of the field, but then you know, between Old Glory, Atlanta, Nola, it's are all basically tied. And especially when you look at what's left on their schedules and which is what my model does when it predicts the odds, it's it's really close who's gonna make that last spot. Let's talk about the New York Ironworkers. You just mentioned they're in second place. They've got four wins, three losses. They've had an interesting season so far. They're, they're definitely battling injuries like everyone else, some big players. Um, Fido is out. O'Connor has been out. Pongo Heine has been out. So they've certainly been bitten by the injury bug. And, hey, what happened last time Old Glory played New York? And I thought it was probably one of the worst, you know, games that Old Glory has played. Figured, well, okay, we got the real bad game out of the way and certainly a stumble there against Rugby ATL. But, Alistair, last time we played New York this season was round three. It was coming off of the, the bye in, in round two. It was a road match for us. Old Glory went up there and lost 34-8. to eight. What do you think... Old Glory has learned maybe from that loss, and then coming off this rugby ATL loss, it's gonna gonna help this squad out um, hosting New York at home on Sunday. So there's a few things that were very. That was a that was sort of the first match we saw Old Glory get really get beaten uh, on the gain line, get beaten out out physicaled in the the contact area and. And just push back on on every carry by a an attack. It's what we then we then didn't really see that again until we played um, San Diego, and San Diego did that to us, and then Atlanta managed to do that to us for the first half last week or this week. So if we see that again from New York, that's that's why tackling and uh, consistent tackling and and making sure that we're not getting beaten on the line there making sure that we're actually making a, them work for those meters and not letting them just fall forward for an extra five meters is going to be absolutely essential because that's how they dominated us last time yeah you know if i harken back to that round three game in new york it was it was a it was a bright sunny day but it was pretty windy if I recall the conditions correctly and I'm just looking ahead here at the weather for Sunday afternoon again we're a few quite a few days out so the weather could change it's going to be warm it looks like a high 82 but they're saying partly cloudy with scattered thunderstorms developing in the afternoon now old glory kicks off against New York Sunday afternoon that's a 3 p.m eastern time and kickoff so we'll see how the weather goes but if it doesn't rain it's going to be a sunny it's going to be a warm day hopefully wind won't be too much of a factor and certainly it's got to help that oh glory is going to be at home taking on new york but how do you beat this new york team then what's the what do you, what do you think is going to be the key for for oh glory here yeah i think like i said defensively i think that's gonna that's gonna decide whether we're in this game or not if we can't hold them back defensively keep them mostly on the game line and force them to kick for territory and force them to to score points the hard way rather than just rolling forward until they're in the end zone that's gonna that's gonna sort of determine whether we're competitive and then from our side i think we've got to figure out what this attack really looks like that means 
we've got to figure out what's going wrong in the set piece. Make sure those are at least acceptable. We have to win most of our lineouts because we. You can lose a couple of lineouts in a game, and that's going to happen. But we we can't lose every single lineout. We've got to figure out why the scrum is going backward. Cough, cough. It's the locks. Um, we've got to and make sure that we can at least win our own scrums. Make sure we're at least not giving up penalties on on their scrums. And then we've got to figure out what we're doing with the back line because we can't just continue to to make it up as we go along. We can't just continue to want give it to the next guy in the line to to crash into the the defense we've got to do more creative stuff we've got to have better distribution i think that involves putting boyd somewhere in the lineup um, fit him into the line somewhere um, and and i think if we can if we can do those things if we can just get back to how we were playing against nola against new england we're not guaranteed to win but that's how we're going to win and it's not easy but that's it's rugby it's not supposed to be easy yeah, and if you look at this, if you look at this, it's not easy at all, and this is not going to be an easy game for for Oak Glory. But if you look at New York, we talked about the injury bug in round eight. They almost got beat by the Toronto Arrows. The Toronto had a, they played really tough at home again. Their first home game this season. Their sevens, Canadian seven star Deshaun um, Bowen scored a hat trick in his second MLR uh, game, his first MLR start. So certainly you can you can you can pick apart and you can beat. Their defense. If, if you also look at what's going on with New York, Jack Hyten, their fly half, he left the game early. Again, Toronto, I think he had a little bit of a head knock. It's interesting to see if he's going to be healthy enough to play because if he doesn't slot in at fly half, then you're going to have Sam Windsor um, slot in there. And, you know, Sam Windsor, all time MLR points leader. I mean, he is an automatic three, it seems like, every time he kicks the ball. So we'll see what. New York strategy is going to be in D.C. if they're going to be trying to kick for for for, um, for penalties when they have those opportunities. But they've got some players in that back line that can that can score. Andrew Coe can 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 crack a, a long one. They've got um, Tay Walden, the, the super rugby guy, right from from New Zealand. They've got some pieces there that can certainly put pressure uh, on on New York. And we haven't really touched their forward pack too much, but Dylan Fawcett, you know, the, the men's eagle, that guy's got a nose for the try line. Anytime that line out is five meters, you know he's on the back of it, throwing it in, getting it, and getting that drive. So certainly our forward is really going to have to step it up, um, and it's not going to be easy, um, as you said. And, you know, again, <laughs> we were talking beforehand, the questions just about who is going to be available, who is injured. Where's Kyle Bailey? Love to have some of those questions answered, you know, Thursday or Friday when we see this match date 23 against New York. But, Alistair, before we get into who do we think is going to win the game, give us just a brief catch us up on the model's success rate so far throughout the season, if you got it handy, and then what the model thinks is going to happen in this whole glory New York game. Yeah, so last week, the model only missed one game. It had Houston beating Utah, and then that is not what actually happened. But other than that, was good good on the week. So it, it's still maintaining a historically very good, unusually good success rate this season. Um, we'll see if that continues. Hopefully it does this week. Before we talk about what the model says is going to happen in this Little Glory New York game, if we want to talk about records last week, 
round was one of the worst. I got the wooden spoon in every single super brew pool I <laughs> I was in. I went one in four. The only win was getting New England to beat Chicago. I picked Toronto to win. That obviously didn't happen. I picked DC to win. That obviously didn't happen. I picked um, Houston to win. That obviously didn't happen. I picked Seattle to win. That obviously didn't happen. And I think I missed one more. But yeah, it was a rough go. That was all of them. There we go. It was a rough go for, for me there. But anyway, that's fine. What does the model say is going to happen in this DC New York matchup? So the model actually has some confidence in us and has us winning by one point. And that's because, and the reason, the reason for this is because the model doesn't think New York is that good. They're just slightly above average. Um, mostly because they haven't been dominant in a game since they beat us, really. And they've, they've lost quite a few games, too. So they're only viewed as being about being slightly better than average. And we're only viewed as being slightly worse than average. Because it actually didn't judge us too harshly for, for this week. Because we kept the score pretty close in the end. And um, we've had some good results in there as well. So overall it only has them being slightly better than us and then the fact that we're at home just tips ever so slightly in our favor so one point in favor of all glory akp before you give me your score prediction is this a must win game for all glory i know last week i said it was you didn't want to quite go there based upon how the standings were going and how tight and close things are in your mind is this week now a must win game for all glory i'm gonna say yes and see, I was right about last week, though, because we lost, but we are still in the race. Then, And that's the thing, is I feel like over the course, over the next, over the remaining however many games we have left, uh, 10, 11 games, no. However many games we have left, I can't quite remember. 9 or 10. Um, we, we need to win at least... We need to win most of them, and we can only afford maybe one, yeah. one or maybe two more losses, depending on what the bonus point situation works out at. Um, we've we've pretty much taken as many losses as we can while still being <laughs> in the conversation. So we could lose this, but if we lose this yeah. game, then it's it, we'd have to win everything and <laughs> win out the rest of the schedule just to to keep in touch so i'm gonna say yeah we're at the we're at the tipping point and more importantly if we can't win this game then it means that we're probably not going to beat atlanta next time we see them it means we're probably not going to beat new england next time we see them or mm-hmm. um nola next time we see them if we can beat them then it shows that maybe we're actually a pretty good team we'll have a good chance in those other matchups and we could we could pull ourselves out here but if we're just gonna, if we lose this one, then clearly we're just not a very good team, and we're unlikely to. So it's less the winning that's important, and it's it's more, can we can we get back to being a good team? Got it. Who's gonna win? I'm gonna take all glory by three. Um, I think, and partly, partly that's me picking with my heart, and I feel like this is. I, but this is like you say we like we just were saying it's make or break the team knows that the coach knows that we all as fans know that um, this might be this is the most important game they're going to play for at least a month 
So, yeah, I think I think we'll find it in ourselves to beat them. Alistair, I'm right there with you. Must-win game. DC's got to win this game. We're getting up to the point where we can't really get any more. We can't afford any more losses, particularly in conference. Must-win game. I'm right there with you. Old Glory wins this one. By three, they knock off the New York Iron Workers. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. At some point, <laughs> we're going to get a win. We need to start stacking up some wins. Old Glory DC by three. All right. Let's look at the rest of, of round nine in a rapid fire here. Again, we've got a full slate of games. There's six games taking place on Saturday and Sunday, so it's going to be another fun weekend. First game of round nine is Saturday, Toronto versus New England. It's a Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. New England has, I think, almost had a banana peel against Toronto. I think maybe last year they went up there and, and lost, but uh, New England has no business losing this game. I think New England probably wins comfortably. I'm going to give them winning by... 14 yeah i'll have them winning by 10 and uh, i think toronto has the enough firepower back that they'll be able to keep it close but i think new england will be more in control and will be able to get themselves out ahead um the model has new england winning by nine so in the same sort of boat as us yeah toronto may be getting some more reinforcements back so that 14 might be high but I'll, i'll stick with it Next match, uh, Saturday evening, Houston Sabercats versus the Dallas Jackals. Houston just dropped a frustrating run for them at home against Utah. Utah all of a sudden starting to look really <laughs> sneaky good. Um, Dallas had the bye after their first win in franchise history, but uh, I don't think they're going to beat Houston in the battle of Texas down here. I think Houston has a balanced back effort. They beat the jackals by i haven't been the jackals by by 12 yeah i'll take houston by 14 i think i think the bye weeks have a tendency to disrupt good things if good things are happening and i think dallas you know there's so much pressure off their shoulders that i think there's going to be a bit of a, a rebound from that and they're going to lose this one and they're not going to play particularly well because they've been powered for so long by the fact that they've never won, that that's what was really putting you know, the the energy into their step. And now that that energy's gone, they're going to have to find a new energy. And I think that'll take them a moment. So, And the model has Houston by 17, because winning one game doesn't mean that the model thinks that you're good. Right on. Moving on, another Saturday night. Lights game, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Nola Gold at home versus Rugby ATL. Nola Gold coming off of their bye after almost knocking off what was then an undefeated Seattle team two rounds ago. I think Nola at home, even though coming off a bye week where that has been disruptive and watching what we saw with Rugby ATL, I, I think Nola Gold's just a better team. I think they, they just play well at home. I think Nola Gold may score some bun- points and bunches here that I like Nola in this one. Uh, I'll give him win by eight. Maybe that sounds closer, but I like Nola by eight here in this one. Yeah, I have Nola by seven. Same sort of reasoning. I think Nola's just a better team. I think at home they're going to be in control, and the the model agrees. Nola, the model has Nola by five. All right, moving on. This Saturday night game is now a little bit trickier, but the Utah Warriors are at home hosting the Seattle Seawolves. Seattle just dropped their first game of the season at home 
to the San Diego Legion. This is a Saturday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Utah does play well uh, at home. Seattle, they did not look very good. I said it. You did. You did. I said that Seattle was sneaky, not good. Not not that good. All right. Well, before, all right, I'll let you take the lead on this one. I'll let you go first. Who's winning this matchup, Utah or Seattle? So the model says Seattle by three because, because one loss is not enough to wipe out how good they've been so far. I think yeah. Seattle has a bounce back, and I'll take them by three as well. I hate picking against Utah. I feel like I always pick against Utah, and I like them. There's so many reasons why I like them. I love the style of rugby that they play. They play fast. They play loose. I feel like they're exciting to watch, and yet I always pick against them. And I feel bad again. Any Utah fans that are out there, I feel bad for picking against you, but I think Seattle bounces back in this one. And I'd be okay if Utah wins this one. In fact, I'll cheer for them nonetheless, but I'm going to go with Seattle as well, winning by three. Yeah, sure. Um... We talked D.C. New York. We both were picking D.C. in a must-win game. The final game of round nine, Sunday afternoon, San Diego Legion versus the Chicago Hounds. Can the Chicago Hounds pull off a major upset and beat the San Diego Legion? I'm going to go with hell no. That ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, Chicago just... They got, they got a lot of individual pieces that I like and players that I like, but they just haven't really been able to put forth an, an effort. And I just think San Diego is playing too well now. To Even after beating Seattle, I don't think they let their guard down here against Chicago. What is Before I give my pick, what, do you, what does the model say? The model says San Diego by 16, so... That's up there. You know what? I I don't know why. I hear what the model says every week, and I'm always picking against the model. That I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go San. I'm gonna go with the model. San Diego wins this one by 18. <laughs> yeah, I'll say San Diego by 14. It it just yeah. Chicago has no coherence. It doesn't feel like they're gonna be able to seriously challenge San Diego. So that is round nine. Some interesting, some interesting battles ahead here. AKP, before we close it out, again, a little bit of a subdued episode, but there's certainly, we're still in it, right? We keep saying it, we're still in it, but it's time to to stack up some W's. Close us out, AKP. What's the final thought to get us out of this episode? Well, the final thought is that this therapy session has been really cathartic, and I feel way better about the team now than I did before we started talking, which always seems to happen. This is part of why I always end up picking old glory at the end of these episodes is because by the time i've talked through all of this stuff i always feel better about the team than i do to start i we've got it in us it's the team there is a good team there and it's a we've seen it in evidence this season so we just need that team to be the team that's actually playing in the games from now on for akp i am john fitzpatrick must win game, but it was a good therapy session. I'm feeling good. We'll catch you next week on the Glorious Rugby Podcast.